Trust in God is a belief that we can depend upon God. That somehow, some way, even when we don't understand, God is able. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. You recall that old story about the father and his young son who were shopping in the grocery store. The son was situated in that seat in the buggy designed for small children. The father was in a hurry and he was going up and down all of the aisles trying to select a few things that that he needed. And as he was doing so, the child was leaning out of the buggy uh, one side to the other, reaching out for items on the shelves and Sometimes he would reach one and knock it down into the floor. Sometimes he would reach one and grab it and put it into the basket. It was never anything the father was actually shopping for. And the father kept saying, it's okay, Tommy. It's going to be all right. Uh, We're going to make it. You're going to be okay, Tommy. Just hang in there for a few more minutes and we'll be in the car headed home. So it's going to be all right. Let's just... Try to hang in there just a few more minutes. He finally reached the cashier and she was deeply impressed by the patience that he had shown. And she said to him, you're a wonderful father the way you uh, encouraged your child as you were shopping. Tommy uh, was all over the place today, but you know, you were patient with him. And he said, lady, I hate to tell you, but I'm Tommy. He's Henry. Have you ever needed to Give yourself a pep talk. Have you ever been in circumstances and situations when you just needed to lift your spirits? You needed to build yourself up and bolster yourself against whatever it was that you were dealing with that day. That father was attempting to do that in that grocery store. Uh, We're going to be okay, Tommy. We're going to be all right. We all have done that from time to time. And the passage that we're turning our attention to today is, is a kind of pep talk that David gives to himself. He writes these words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek His face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off 
Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Do you hear it? Do you hear the way He declares His faith? He affirms His confidence in God. Do you hear Him trying to bolster that confidence, to build up that strength that He needs, to find comfort in that conversation that He's having with God. We all do that from time to time. We all need that from time to time. So we, we give ourselves a bit of a pep talk. And I think that's what David is doing in Psalm 27. My wife and I <clears throat> brought home a puppy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she looks like an underdog. Do you know what an underdog is? It's the group, the individual, the whatever that seems to not have much of a chance in whatever competition might be going on. We all kind of have an affinity for the underdog. I mean, don't we pull for the mom and pop store over the international conglomerate? I mean, don't we have a heart for that smaller operation that's attempting to stay in business even though the competition is overwhelming it. Lou, our dog, looks like an underdog. Sad eyes, long ears, short legs. Just you look at it and you think, boy, there's an underdog to say the least. Elvis Presley would say she ain't nothing but a hound dog and she may look like that, but she's smart and she's hardy and she's stubborn enough. Lou appeals to me because I see her in the role of an underdog. And I tend to identify with the underdog. I think we all do on some level. I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about this primarily in the context of sports. I know that that's shocking to you. But as I reflected back on my life, and I thought about all of the games that I've watched, who do I typically pull for in those contests? I typically pull for the underdog. The, the only two teams that I have pulled for, regardless of the circumstances, in every contest in which they have been involved are the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves. If the Georgia Bulldogs are playing William and Mary, I'm all in with Georgia no matter what. If the Atlanta Braves are playing the Bad News Bears, I'm all involved with the Atlanta Braves no matter what. But in all the other teams and all the other sports and all the other circumstances, I tend to lean toward that underdog. And David is the ultimate underdog. The, the story that 
probably defines him more than any other is his encounter with Goliath. In other words, that is the underdog story that often comes to our minds when we're thinking about someone who seemed to be at such an extreme disadvantage, David and Goliath. As he writes this psalm, his son is out to get him. His wife is out to humiliate him. And the king wants to take him out. So David is in a difficult situation. And what does he say? Listen to what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Don't we do that? Don't you do that from time to time? Encourage yourself. Convince yourself to take the next step. Sure you do. And I do as well. The day that my father died, he went to a a breakfast Bible study downtown, which he attended uh, on Thursday of every week. He came home, he changed into his work clothes, and he stepped outside to just kind of piddle around in the yard. He had a rake in his hand and he was raking. My mother was ironing some clothes in the bedroom that had a bay window and she was looking out that bay window at him on this hot summer day uh, raking in the yard. And she said as she looked at my dad, he was raking and he was sort of talking. His lips were moving. He was talking to himself. He did that a lot. My dad was... Uh, was someone who was so hopeful. My dad was someone who was so incredibly grateful. For the smallest things, my dad could really savor a cup of coffee. I mean, he just thought in that moment there couldn't be anything better than sitting there reading a newspaper at the breakfast table and drinking a wonderful cup of coffee. You might have thought he was taking a trip to Paris or something. And so on that day, his last day on this earth, he was out there in the yard. Who knows? We don't know what he was talking about. I just know, I knew, I know what he was usually talking about. He was usually talking about something he wanted to take care of that day. He was usually talking about some plan he had. He was usually talking about what was over the next hill to greet him, not in a fearful way, but in a faithful way and in a confident way. I found that remarkable about my dad in all of the seasons of his life. And that is a sweet memory for me, that right up until the last moment of his life on earth, he was still dreaming. He was still encouraging himself. He was still trying to build his confidence in that moment. He was still anticipating the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, as David says here. I like that image. That's the image that comes to mind first when I think about uh, my dad. Do you memorize Scripture? I mean, I, I really think that's important. I think for people of faith to to memorize passages of Scripture that encourage us to be able to call to mind those words, those messages that give us hope. 
that make us stronger, that bring us comfort, that put us in a positive frame of mind, that warm our hearts. I really think that's uh, so important. These words from Psalm 27 are words that, that I recite to myself quite often. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This world can be a scary place. I think during this pandemic and everything that's been associated with it, all that's going on in our world, there's a lot of fear out there. And how do you combat fear except with faith? And so I bolster my faith by turning to those passages that strengthen me, that enhance and increase my faith. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I lift mine eyes to the hills from whence does my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in to them. For I came into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. It's important, I think, to be able to call to mind passages of Scripture, not to impress our friends about how much we know. It's usually in... In, in moments of solitude when we call upon that. Maybe moments when we're driving down the road and we're going to a difficult meeting or we just are having a tough day or, or maybe we're having a wonderful day and, and we shout to ourselves, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We convince ourselves. And I applaud David for Psalm 27 because he's offered us a gift. We know the context of the psalm. That here is a man who's struggling. And yet here is a man in the midst of struggle and heartache and heartbreak when family has turned upon him and country has turned upon him. And he still says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We all need that. Martin Luther, who, who is the great reformer, the person who pushed the Reformation forward in an effort to sanctify the church, he said faith is a living Daring confidence in God. Did you hear me? Faith is a living, daring confidence in God. It takes courage to have faith. It takes the capacity to surrender to God to have faith. It takes faith to believe that God is bigger than my circumstances. 
It takes faith to live in this world each and every day and continue to have a hopeful heart. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God. Ray Blankenship was standing in his kitchen at lunch one day. It had been a hard rainfall, one of those really hard ones in the summer. And the ditch out beside his house was just flooded and flowing like a rushing river. And as he was preparing that sandwich, he looked out that window and he saw a young child being swept by those moving waters. And he, he looked and he knew he had to act, act and he raced from his house and he, he, he raced down beside that flowing river attempting to get ahead of the child until he could reach out and grab her. Finally, he gave up on it because he knew eventually that ditch beside his home that was raging with water went beneath the road and into a main culvert. He had to find a way to get to that child. Finally, he just leapt and he plunged into that river. He grabbed her arm as he did and they were swept away they were about three feet, he said, from going beneath the road when he reached out and he grabbed a limb. And he pulled and he pulled and he pulled. And finally, they were able to reach the safety of the bank. He lay there exhausted. She lay there completely terrified. The fire department showed up and treated them both for shock. It was dangerous enough for Ray Blankenship to jump into that ditch, those raging waters, to try to save that precious child in that moment. What was even more dangerous is that Ray Blankenship could not swim. Trust is a conviction that God is somehow able. He knew He had to act. That life is sacred. And He could not simply stand idly by as a child's life was swept away. And so even though He had no idea how to swim, He plunged into the waters. Because trust in God is a belief that we can depend upon God. That somehow, some way, even when we don't understand, God is able. God is enough. That God will be sufficient for you and for me. David is calling out to that God. It's not easy to trust God. There are times when our Faith is challenged. There are times when our relationship with God is threatened. And the only way through is to trust your way through that. To build your faith. To lean in as never before. I think these are days when that is called for. And I hope that's been your approach. Rather than wringing our hands, let us clasp our hands in prayer. 
and engage in a conversation with our God. Isn't that what David's doing? You, Lord, You are my hiding place. You are my refuge. And You are my strength. Do you hear it? Is that the song of your own heart? Can we really depend upon God? In 1891, James Naismith invented basketball. When he invented the game, he was working at a YMCA training school. He was a 31-year-old graduate student. The director of the school had told him he wanted, to invent a, he wanted him to invent a game that uh, could be played indoors during the colder months. And so James Naismith invented basketball. There were 13 rules to the game when it started. They shot the ball into peach baskets, so every time someone made a basket, which was a rare occasion, there would be a designated person who would bring out a ladder and retrieve the ball from the peach basket. Finally, they decided to cut a hole in the bottom of the basket. The most interesting thing about basketball, perhaps, is the floor that it's played on. The first basketball game was played on a hard maple floor. Smooth, easy to clean, fits together tight. Even to this day, despite all the rule changes, despite the elimination of the peach basket, Despite all the things that have gone on through the years to make this a much different game than it was in 1891, one thing has not changed. The best courts are still hard maple courts. There's only one court in the professional basketball league that's not a hard maple court, and that's that court in Boston made of oak. But that court in Boston has some dead spots in it where when you dribble the ball, it does not come back to you quite as high as it did after it hits that floor. Hard maple floors are true. They are dependable. They can be counted upon. In these days of global pandemics, in these days of unrest in our society, in these days when we seem to be so divided. Let us always remember that our hearts share a love for God and a love for one another. Let us always remember despite what is going on in our society that God is able, that God can be depended upon that God is enough. Max Licato says, stop measuring the size of the mountain and start talking to the one who can move it. And that's what David is doing. Talking to the one who can move it. I want us today to do something we don't ever do for one minute. 
So whatever it is you're doing, would you just please stop for 60 seconds? No matter what it is. If you're standing or sitting or whatever, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Just for one minute, stop with me. I would like for us to join our hearts and join our minds and join our spirits with one another. Anyone who's listening to this right now. I'm not going to pray because I want each of you to pray in your own way what is on your heart. But I believe when we join our hearts and our minds and our spirits, even amidst our differences, that there is great power in that. And so I want us to do that. 60 seconds is all I ask. If you would uh, bow your head, if that's most comfortable for you. And I would like to ask you to pray about uh, this pandemic. If you want to pray for the development of a vaccine, that is fine. If you want to pray for the safety of children in school, the safety of universities now in session. If you want to pray that we would come together in this effort because together we're better, then that's fine. You pray whatever you would like in your own way. Each silently in our own hearts. Because I believe that when we do that, there's great power in that. So, for the next 60 seconds, would you bow your heads and would you lift your hearts and each one of us pray silently in this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Stop measuring the size of the mountain and start talking to the one who can move it. God bless you in these times, brothers and sisters. I look forward to being with you soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh Lord, I'm getting